0: Around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to design, build and operate the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment. Including integrated applications and services built on an open platform, our solutions enable digital workflows across engineering disciplines and distributed project teams from the office to the field and today leverage digital twin technology to help solve the most complex of engineering challenges. Together, we are Advancing Infrastructure.
1: Welcome to the latest episode of the Engineers Collective. I'm Claire Smith and I'm editor of New Civil Engineer and I'm co-hosting today's episode with our reporter Catherine Kennedy as we look at the importance of designing in sustainability. As the drive to net zero continues, and with COP26 on the horizon too, the challenge of climate change is increasingly coming to the fore. The importance of improving climate resilience has been highlighted by numerous recent extreme weather events, with flooding causing chaos in the summer and once again this month just in the UK. Meeting the UK's net zero targets may seem like a daunting task, but there are things that can be done at a project level to make a huge difference. One key change is the need to become as fluent in carbon accounting as cost accounting. Projects are often designed with cost in mind and software exists to help calculate this. But going forward, it's important that carbon is also put into the mix.
2: Joining us today to discuss all of this further is Bentley Systems ESDG Director Rodrigo Fernandes. Rodrigo leads Bentley's sustainability initiatives. His role is to advocate for a culture of sustainability, empower sustainable development goals through Bentley software and services, and evangelise Bentley's environmental handprint. He is also European Climate Pact Ambassador and serves as an external expert for the European Commission and for the Portuguese Ministry of the Sea. Rodrigo is an industry expert on environmental engineering and environmental digital twins with experience around sustainability related product strategy he is also knowledgeable on climate related topics and how they link to infrastructure projects software and services he has a phd in environmental engineering so thank you for joining us rodrigo
3: thank you good morning
2: Let's kick off by defining what ESG is. So the conventional meaning is environmental, social and governance. But in your job title, the ESDG stands for Empowering Sustainable Development Goals. So can you tell us a bit about this and also why the D, which I think is in brackets in your job title, is increasingly important for the construction and built environment sector?
3: Yes, so yeah, ESDG, So it's a, exactly empowering sustainable development goals. Um, but uh, it's to create an association between ESG and ESDG that that we have this this name. So uh, I'm I'm basically coordinating all the sustainability initiatives in in Bentley, and I'm mostly focused on on environmental handprints that that Bentley can deliver. So basically focused on on how our products can reduce. Environmental footprints of our users on on their projects, so uh, I, I'm not focused at the moment on, on the compliance and reporting for ESG, which is another. It, it's it's the same. It's part of the same topic, but the most of my focus is indeed on, on product strategy on, and on how can we work with users to to help them on on this. So that's why it's ESDG, and and there's this uh, this. Uh, this play with uh, associating ESG with ESDG.
1: So you focus a lot there on what the D means for Bentley, but what about for the wider construction industry? What does it mean for them? Why is it important for them?
3: Yeah. So so this is um, this is important not only for construction but for for you know for all the infrastructure sector. Um, in Bentley, we we find that um, right now at the at the right moment where we are, we are already in the decade of action, as it is called. So sustainability is a, is a major problem, major issue for us right now. So we are facing a, a climate crisis right now that we need to address. So we are putting a lot of focus on on helping users and helping communities uh, move, moving to, to this uh, sustainable development goal. So this is a global problem. It's, it's something that we will have to address. And for the construction sh- sector, this might bring special special concerns because of, of several things for instance embodied carbon uh, that can be found in in, in infrastructure uh, operational carbon is already being addressed in several uh, in several topics uh, energy efficiency we, we are approaching that but in construction uh, really embodied carbon is a major a major issue and there are other issues related with with sustainability we we just think that uh, Doing our, our, our job on, on moving for a community that is more future-proof and more ready to, to face the, the challenges that we are facing right now with all, with all aspects like relating to climate change, it's really relevant for, for us. Adapting to it and also having mitigation on, on all these aspects. So
1: your career has been focused on sustainability for some time. How would you say the construction sector has changed for the better when it comes to sustainability in the last five to ten years?
3: Okay so so my my perception here is is basically that the uh, well the market around green construction has has moved um it's it's growing fast uh, in in the last year so we can we can see that uh, it's something that is moving fast for several different reasons not all of them are are reasons that are um great some of the reasons is because of the context where we are we see a lot of natural hazards regarding climate change so we see the push we see the the pressures that are being put in 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 the industry in the infrastructure industry uh, around this uh, and and so also the the knowledge uh, around environmental engineering in in general changed uh, and increased a lot uh, we know more now that we knew before and so we know for instance that now 70% of, of uh, global CO2 emissions are associated to infrastructure. So you can imagine, so this, this brings more, more pressure to it. So, so we now see a lot of green certifications and rating schemes um, moving moving forward. So they, they, they are relevant. For instance, in, the, in Australia and New Zealand, the, the IS rating scheme, so the infrastructure, um, the ISCA uh, institution there, uh, they have a rating scheme that is going to be mandated for Australia and New Zealand for for any infrastructure where the capex is above uh, 50 million. So this is uh, something that is 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 changing. So the market is changing on uh, it's, it's evolving in these uh, green certifications. Also, in terms of of financing incentives and and funding, we see a lot of things from 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 governments. Um, We can talk about EU Green Deal or, you know, USA Build Back Better plan. But if you go to banks, they are increasing the number of of, uh, instruments regarding green financing and green lending. So all the industry is is being driven to, to a point where construction needs to be more sustainable. You know, also procurement restrictions... We see more and more uh, the inclusion of uh, or the trends of including carbon footprint in the decision making. So it's another another pressure, I would say, another driver that uh, is happening at the same time. And last but not least, probably the the consumer perception. Uh, You know, uh, it's uh, something uh, we we can see that is changing somehow somehow changing. So for instance, there was a survey. In the UK, where they found that 70% of the UK residents, uh, they, they think that government should deny new building requests for, for buildings constructed with, with higher carbon footprints. This is from YouGov, and uh, it's something that, uh, well, creates an idea that, uh, well, perception is really changing. So I believe this would not be possible 10 years ago, but with all these contexts, uh, I think this is, uh, this is uh, really changing.
1: It's really great to hear that there's been some progress. But what would you say are the main barriers that still exist to adding more sustainability within construction?
3: Yeah, so uh, I think one 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 of the biggest uh, barriers uh, that we can find here is is really regarding to to materials that are involved in in construction and infrastructure. So we see um, that some of the materials like steel and concrete they are highly carbon intensive and, and Although there are some alternative um, materials, it's still something to 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 change. It's something to. There's a lot of, of evolution that needs to be to be made. You know. So this this is a challenge for engineers because uh, if they want to look for alternative materials, um, they need to to understand. Uh, sometimes it's possible sometimes it's not, so they need to be more uh, efficient, they they need to to make uh, clever choices to reduce embodied carbon footprint. And at the same time, we see that the built environment, so if we build something now, it, it will stay here for at least 40 years. So, you know, so it's like two-thirds of global buildings that we have today will still exist here in, in 2040. So if we start um, acting just in 10 years, um, it, it will be too late. We need to start acting now. The buildings will be there. So there's a lot of things being done in energy efficiency. So during the, the, the life cycle of a, of a building, you can improve energy efficiency with some measures, but uh, I can replace the energy sources that you use uh, but you cannot replace the materials that you have in the in the building in in, in that. So uh, when we know, for instance, that uh, what we have right now is that every month we build a new uh, New York City uh, for forty years. So you know, so go- global building floor is expected to double by twenty sixty. So this is a lot, and we need to take action now, not uh, not in twenty years, uh, because of this. Another barrier that I see here is it's related with uh, not only w- with taking actions now; it's it's also to take into account sustainability and resilience in the early stages of of, the, of a project. So we need so engineers and designers, planners they they need to include sustainability and resilience concerns since the beginning and not only from a reporting perspective, not only to report the carbon footprint, but also to, from a proactive approach. What can be done to maximize sustainability and resilience uh, and thus minimize environmental footprints as we minimize costs, uh, you know, establish the same approach, try to, to, to think on this from the beginning and not only from the, from the usage and the operational stage.
2: So what would you say then is the scale of the challenge that is facing engineers with all of this?
3: Well, uh, I think there are still uh, big challenges here, uh, you know, so I'm not quite concerned about the challenges around uh, technology, uh, because we have a lot of technology available there that can be adapted and, and include the what we have. but. My major concerns uh would be related to, to to other aspects and the biggest challenges. One major challenge will be certainly people and, and skills, you know, the mindset, uh, cultural behavioral behavioral change. We need to move to a future first first approach, you know, something where we when we build something, we need to know that uh we need to be sure that uh It has to be sustainable and we need to know what does that mean, you know. So from from some surveys that that we have uh, been doing, we we find information and evidence that people are not well informed. The technical people that are addressing this and uh, the engineers that are addressing this, in some cases they might not be totally aware with all the skills that they need to to handle this, this problem. For instance, in some cases they there there are confusing uh, confusions uh, uh, and amb- ambiguity between carbon and greenhouse gas emissions in some cases they think that it's more important to mitigate carbon emissions than greenhouse gas emissions. But basically, carbon emissions are just one part of greenhouse gas emissions. We also have methane, which is not carbon, and it's also greenhouse gas emissions. So there are some problems with, with concepts and with ideas. We know, for instance, we know that people... Uh, from uh, from surveys uh, that that we have, we see that people are not fully aware of how important IT and technology can can face on on this and can be used on on tackling climate change. So usually they 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 can still think on 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 some important topics. But for instance, um, digital twins is a great technology that can be leveraged to 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 tackle climate change. But it's still not in the you know, in in the mainstream and and skills and people are not still um, addressing that. So I think this is the major the major challenge. You know, mindset, cultural um, change, and skills. It's really important. Then the the scale of challenge in terms of materials that cannot be replaced uh, immediately. It's it's also a, a big challenge. So. If we decide now that we will reduce carbon footprint with all our construction and all our infrastructure, it simply won't be possible because we won't have available materials as alternative for for concrete and and steel, for instance. Also, lack of materials. We are now in an economy of shortage. We see prices rising and and materials reducing exactly because um, we are in the energy transition stage. So we... We see this happening and this will be a, a, a big challenge uh, as well. And third, it's and this is more related with technology, but it's not a technology issue, it's more a collaboration issue. So there are a lot of, uh, of data sources regarding uh, environmental aspects uh, in, in terms of products and materials. So they are fragmented all over the, over the web, uh, information regarding environmental product declarations so they, they usually they are unstructured. They are provided in a way um, that cannot be immediately or uh, immediately consumed by 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 some technology products. And this is a problem that can only be solved with data standardization and normalization. And so this is also a big challenge uh, on this that can only be addressed by partnerships and collaboration.
2: Lots of different factors there. So. <laughs> Going forward, what would you say can be achieved, and what is possible?
3: Well, um, looking positive from from the technology perspective, as I, I I told you, I think the limit is the sky. You know, you, we we can achieve big things from a technology perspective. So, um, with digital twins, we can easily include life cycle assessment uh, and life cycle analysis all across the. The infrastructure life cycle. That, that, can, be, that can be done. Uh, we can model carbon impacts and other environmental impacts with, with digital twins. We can make options on design uh, and procurement and establish seamless workflows uh, in terms of, of, of carbon emissions as we do with cost. Uh, that could be done and can be done and should be done for sure. We can even think on more more interesting things like immersive uh, technologies and kind of gamification around this so so you can provide really good uh, interfaces for visualized carbon intensity in 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 large infrastructure assets that can all be done but uh, the looking for the other aspects like people and, and skills i think to be to improve this and to 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 move forward i think we need um, promotion and collaboration with government uh, so some governance here so so we can increase some aspects like uh, carbon reporting public por- procurement uh, green certification and rating schemes all of these they they need to become uh, to become mainstream even more people needs to be aware of this and and i think public policies and government can 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 work on this with private sector so that so that we can uh, move uh, move this forward. Also, the same for standardization and normalization that I was saying. So the the only way to to move forward here, I think, is establishing ecosystem collaboration, um, partnerships between public and private sectors so that we can have the whole um, value chain uh, of construction and infrastructure working together, all players digitally connected vendors and suppliers, architects, engineers, software companies, constructors and consum and customers so so they can work together and, and and so we can move forward with more standardization, more more normalization and minimizing data silos, which is a big a big issue here for 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 moving forward.
1: So overall, what's the vision for the future when it comes to designing in sustainability, and how far away from that are we?
3: Okay, so so the vision here um, it can be uh, well we we can see lots of things happening here, and and based on all the things that I was talking about, so I think we we need to know and we need to address circularity, and we need to know that resources are not infinite. Um, so we really need to have life cycle assessments uh, approach to measure impact and to look to the infrastructure projects in a holistic way including um, all the aspects from all the stages design procurement commissioning operating decommissioning all of them need to be they need to be uh, analyzed all uh, and not just one stage. Um, so we need to address the environmental impacts associated with all of this. And I think in the longer term, we really need. And my my vision here is that we will we will achieve more sustainable materials to use in in, in construction projects. But it's not something we will have in the next few years. Uh, it's 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 work in progress. But carbon carbon will be established as important as cost. Uh, I believe in time we will see this more and more uh, happening. I think we will also see rapid acceleration in terms of digital transformation and optimization. In, in some cases, it's not transforming, it's just, uh, just optimising. I believe in, in also... My idea is that uh, digital twin technologies will become more relevant. So it started with operations connecting IOT modeling and machine learning AI whatever but this will move to other stages other life cycle stages including uh, design so digital twins will also be important in design we know that our shorter products and technology life cycles um, there so the the, the the products that we will see around technology, they will have shorter life cycles. We see more demand for connectivity like IoT, um, 5G. And so these aspects will create something which is very important for us right now, is that no one vendor will be able to to satisfy all the requirements and potential applications for for digital twins. You know, with, with these short life cycles for technology, with all this connectivity, there's an increase uh, in in flexible interconnected you know and collaborative ecosystems so we need a, an open approach for for this. It's i think my vision here and it's bentley's vision as well is it's to have an open platform open approach where where different vendors and different players and stakeholders can can work in platform approaches uh, based in ecosystem collaboration so with that, I think we will, um, we will achieve um, seamless workflows building what-if scenarios for environmental footprints. You know, that's, that's the main point. So we can have engineers deciding the best design, optioneering, designing, deciding uh, how can they be more efficient in all uh, the aspects of, of, uh, of economy and environment
1: is a really great vision for the future. But what's actually needed to reach that? Is it plants that need to drive the change or do engineers need to be more vocal when it comes to calling for carbon-conscious designs and getting everyone to consider the implications of different approaches? Who needs to drive that, do you think?
3: I think I think that the clients are already demanding for change uh, somehow. So I, I, I was mentioning a survey in, in the UK and... and the survey was giving the signs when 70% of uh, of the people are, are in UK say that they they want the government moving to to more sustainable construction it's that they are demanding for for a change but i think engineers they, they can they can and they will do some some things that will move us uh, forward in terms of of sustainable construction for instance they can they can show the return on investment around sustainable construction. You know There are studies that can, that can show us that uh, if you invest in, in, in sustainable construction, you will have benefits and you, will return, you have return on investment in, in, in dollars. So if you spend $1, you can have uh, uh, back like $1.6 uh, or $2.4. So there are studies from uh, ISC uh, in Australia that, that claim that. Um, then there are uh, simple adjustments um, that can be done by engineers and designers without even calling you, uh, clients or users. They can they can simply uh, build more efficiently, make adjustments in 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 design, selecting also the right products, and they they can achieve like twenty percent of carbon footprint reduction only by that. So that's that's another aspect and. and Finally, probably adopting strategies uh, for simultaneously reducing costs and increase community engagement. I'm, I'm thinking on nature-based solutions, green infrastructure, low impact development as as opposite to grey alternatives. You know, if we move through these options, um, I think we will be able to engage with with communities um, better. And we can move uh, through this. And so this is also a challenge for engineers. So I think engineers uh, can play a, an important role on, on this.
2: And in terms of the market, then how is it changing and moving? And do you think is that pace fast enough or do we need to adapt more quickly?
3: I think that this is a global problem, right? So climate crisis, uh, it's it's a global climate Crisis demands global answers. There's no way, no way out here. So global goals set to 2030 are are ambitious. It's an ambitious plan, but probably won't be enough what we have right now, and we will need to accelerate. And the problem here is that you have different velocities um, in different parts of the world. You know, so we know, for instance, that. Um, 95 percent of renewable technology is located in 16 percent of global countries, particularly in northern North countries. So you can see the differences uh, around this. Uh, and, and so countries in development are quite active in construction, trying to provide comfortable uh, living places, living spaces for everyone and, and places for everyone. But uh, the different velocities there um we when we find that we know that uh, the velocity and the, the, the there's no cohesion in in this approach, so we need to do more uh and we need also to not only to look to them and and think they need to go faster, we also need to go faster and we need to to work all in a global environment and, and so that we can move uh, faster so although changes are being made i I fear that we will need to. To move faster than we are moving right now.
1: So that's all to that talking about the future. But lots of projects are already applying a lot of these solutions and approaches. Can you give us some examples of projects that have really delivered when it comes to a focus on sustainability, and compare the carbon-related impacts of different design decisions?
3: Yes, I, I think I I can talk well not about multiple projects, but I can mention one which is a, a flagship. Project also for UK, which is the HS2, so the UK's new high-speed railway. So, with the collaboration between mott mcdonald sistra and, and Bentley's, uh, they have achieved. Um, they, they are working with the objectives that HS2 is proposing, which is the target of reducing carbon by fifty percent. And and this uh, challenge for 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 this project uh, was a big challenge and. What what they are trying to do, uh, Mark McDonald, with, with us and Sistra, is connecting uh, exactly to establish a collaboration approach, uh, uh, using uh, using uh, collaboration and optimization through project design stages. So reducing carbon footprint and enabling uh, early identification of of risks, trying to reduce stress and and long uh, long working hours. So it's a it's a an holistic approach, not only to reduce the costs, but to reduce the carbon, and the only way to obtain this is to establish this uh, this uh, link between the, all the systems. Uh, I would say a system of systems uh, that they are that they are doing. So they they basically they they use the information that we have in our digital twin model. They they obtain it and they use it in a carbon portal. So this enables uh, Mott McDonald's uh, carbon quantification and reporting carbon updates using the latest design, you know, instead of from snapshots or at quarterly periods. So they are immediately uh, obtaining um, carbon updates uh, on on the, the project, uh, which is great. So basically this is uh, giving a tangible difference to to, to the project uh, towards the target of reducing carbon by 50%.
2: And can you tell us a bit about how this sort of understanding of carbon impacts can also benefit smart cities and kind of how the work that you've been doing plays into all of that as well?
3: Uh, yes, so yeah, in terms of, of, of cities and uh, how, how we manage cities and healthy communities and healthy cities, uh, in this so basically we have uh, this integrated approach for for cities to address sustainable development goals. We see there are a lot of environmental topics uh, that uh, relate to to cities so all the people uh, you know so we have like uh, sixty or seventy percent of people living in cities right now so this is all the challenges that we have in infrastructure they will and uh, with, with with cities, uh, relation with, with cities. So basically, we are working not only in mobility, um, but uh, so in, in in other aspects like like flood resilience um, in 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 cities, uh, solar mapping, heat loss maps. But for instance, from a mobility perspective, when we think on, on climate, on climate action. Uh, of course, the, the, the kind of things that can be done is is to try to plan or to understand what's the the environmental pollutions and the carbon emissions that are generated by by traffic. Uh, so, if we can model that, if we can study that uh, and measure that, uh, we can establish a link between uh, mobility, air quality, and eventually uh, public health. So. The idea uh, is, is to start planning on, on this, you know, so we can eventually optimize mobility to also reduce uh, air quality pollution uh, and reduce carbon emissions. And at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, achieve the, the, the milestones regarding carbon emissions and also public health. So that's just one example. Of course, in terms of climate mitigation, there are a lot of things we are working um, as I mentioned, um, solar mapping, heat loss maps, also uh, nature-based solutions and, and aspects related with, uh, with vegetation. So uh, like building a digital twin for, for trees on a city, uh, it's an interesting aspect because uh, we, we have a city in, in, in Latin America that has um, covered like 1 million trees uh, with the digital twin, where they are now able to manage the, the, the trees from a healthy perspective, also um, safety perspective. And so they use this green infrastructure, I would say, to, to, to control their, uh, to minimize uh, the effects of, of heat waves. And floods and 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 also um, there's also the design perspective you know of 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 trees in the city, which is a touristic attraction. Yeah, so we in cities there are a lot of things that can be done in in different aspects uh, for climate action that's uh, that's it either in climate mitigation or, or climate adaptation.
1: Yes, you've touched on a little bit there about the difference between climate mitigation and climate adaptation how should we approach the two and what what's more important there
3: well both are important when we need to address both um, in parallel or 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 interconnected because when we talk about climate mitigation we are mainly focused is in decarbonizing and decarbonization so energy transition so we want to mitigate uh, climate change uh, and that's that's the main purpose but the point is that we cannot Avoid what is already happening and what will happening will be happening in the near in in the future. So the 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 accidents will be there and are there. So we see more frequent extreme events, floods, storms, heat waves, drought, droughts. We we see everything is happening, and we need to adapt to it. We need to be resilient to this to this kind of events as we try to to mitigate them. But we need to adapt. So we know. That we will, there will be a flood uh, next year or next month, and we need to be prepared to address this. So, some aspects that that need to be taken in consideration. Once again, nature-based solutions. It's it's a it's a great approach for for climate adaptation and for climate mitigation. We 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 talk a lot about energy transition, about uh, you know move to to renewables. Uh, and uh, replacing the materials, as I was mentioning, uh, in terms of uh, materials that are carbon intensive. Um, so this different approach, um, we we handle both, but and we and the engineers need to 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 address both. But in some cases, they they you know the the way that we look to them, they 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 might have different angles
1: it's really clear that we can't carry on building the way we've always done things. So what role should civil engineers be playing to actually overcome these challenges?
3: Well, I've mentioned before some of the ways that uh, engineers and civil engineers can can play on on this and how can they be more efficient on on this. But but summarising, I think... One, one important point is to advocate sustainability and resilience early in, in the infrastructure life cycle. So, so they can influence stakeholders, you know, downstream and upstream in the value chain. So civil engineers can do and should do this, this, uh, this advocacy. Uh, so whenever and wherever possible, they should try to adopt uh, life cycle assessment tools and approaches where environmental footprints can be quantified and minimized, not only reported, but also minimized and, and use them, um, use this information to, uh, to, to change the design, to change the, the way uh, things are being, being made. And finally, uh, whenever possible, try to prioritize nature-based solutions in climate mitigation and climate adaptation. So trying to reduce costs uh, and carbon and increase engagement with communities. So adopting nature-based solutions in many cases will be, will be valid uh, for, for this because uh, it's, it's, it's efficient in, in, in many different ways. You know, in some cases, we don't need to build something new we need more to retrofit as well and to work with what is already there and try to to, to work from, from it. So it's what we call sufficiency, uh, you know, in some cases we, we, we don't need to move forward building more. We might just need to retrofit and, and improve what's already on the field.
2: Yeah, it's useful to have some kind of tangible ideas and solutions there. And I think... Um we touched earlier as well on the need to increase the pace of change. So to conclude today's episode, what advice would you give to people to make a change and to make a difference today?
3: I Well, I, I think there's a lot to be done individually and collectively. and And I think we need to start uh, something that needs to be clear and you will see everyone saying that it's that we need to start now it's not uh, we not, we don't need a plan to start in 5 years from now we we should have this plan to evolve but the plan should include starting now and there are some quick wins we can have uh either as an engineer or as an individual in our decisions we make it's it's because uh, 30 or 40% of CO2 can be reduced with low-cost mature technologies in many of the cases. We can, using circularity and recycling, uh, efficiency, renewable sources, we can use these technologies that are already available in the market and and establish some quick wins. And this is something we can adopt individually in our life um, and also in our professional decisions. Um, you know, there is also data and information that says that AI can, can also reduce by 5-10% of the total. So technology will also play an important role on, on this. But uh, the starting point should be our uh, mainly main decisions regarding the, the, the quick wins. We, we have this and then technology will certainly help on, on this because it's there. The, the other point that I would like to mention and also from an individual and a professional perspective is we should always look for partnerships and synergies. We need to establish, uh, to establish co- more collaboration and, you know, no one individually and alone will be able to tackle uh, this uh, climate crisis. We'll, we need to work together uh, and establish this, uh, this ecosystem collaboration.
2: Yeah, that's great to hear there is so much that can actually be done already, but also a lot of potentially exciting opportunities for the future as well. So it'll be good to keep an eye on all these solutions as they develop and see how the industry can really make a positive impact when it comes to sustainability and climate change. So um, thank you, Rodrigo, for joining us today. And thank you all for listening and join us again soon for another episode of the Engineers Collective.
0: The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems with industry-leading software solutions used by professionals in organizations of all sizes for the design, construction and operation of roads and bridges, rail and transit, water and wastewater, public works and utilities, buildings, campuses and industrial facilities, Bentley can help accelerate your digital transformation. To find out more visit www.bentley.com forward slash The Engineers Collective.